the Caribbean. Deb and I are on our cruise right now, suffering and working hard as we join with couples from around the country who've come on our annual Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage cruise. Now today, in my absence, my brother Ed is going to be bringing the message. So I want you to open up your hearts and just receive from him. He's a great Bible teacher, a wonderful guy, and I know he'll be a real blessing to you. And Ed will also be here this Wednesday night. So this Wednesday night, come on out for some more great Bible teaching. It'll encourage you in your faith, and uh, and you'll really enjoy it. He's got some great insight. So pray for us as we're working so hard this week, and we will see you all again next Sunday. By the by, he was like that when he was a kid. (laughs) Nothing has changed. Let's stand together, which is good. Father, we are grateful for your kindness in our lives. And this morning as we come, as we start the new year 2007, capture our hearts again. Cause our hearts to remember the story we're in, the story you've been telling since the beginning of time. Thank you that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Thank you that you've entrusted us, the people of God, with your message. Thank you for believing in us, for trusting us, for loving us. And help us, God, we pray, to live in a way that glorifies you. Thank you for what you're going to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, This morning, I brought my girlfriend and wife of 30 years, Gail. Stand up, would you? Honey, stand up. Wave. We are almost empty nested. Uh, you know, the, uh, there is life after children. My only prayer now is the dog will die. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You know, um, when I was thinking about 2007, you always, at the start of every year, at least I like to sort of reflect and think about where we're going and uh, on a number of different levels, including my own self personally. And, and one of the texts that came to mind was, was uh, in the story, was how Peter, if you remember, at the Passion of the Christ, when he's arrested and Peter tags along and, and he keeps denying that he knows Jesus. And uh, it's disappointing to himself, disappointing to the Lord. And Jesus knew it was going to happen, told him it was going to happen before the rooster would crow, that he would deny him three times. And, and uh, right before Jesus takes off, a few days pass, and before Jesus takes off, He sits down and has a face-to-face after he raised from the dead with Peter. And uh, he says to them, Peter, uh, do you love me? Peter says, I do. And three times Jesus asks him, do you love me? And, And that's the question I've asked myself at the beginning of this year. Ed Gunger, do you love Jesus? And, you know, I, I have to be honest and say, I don't love him as much as I want to. Sometimes I find myself after other things. I want to get a bunch of stuff done. I want to do a bunch of ministry, a lot of good things. And, and, and I want some stability. You know, I'm in that age of the 50s and I'm thinking of, okay, where's my future? How we, you know, got things oriented right. And I'd like more security uh, as we start facing uh, issues of being elderly. My parents are elderly. I mean, there's just a lot of issues that I find myself running at. And I, and, and I feel like the Lord's challenging me to just fall in love with Jesus first, foremost in my life this year. 
something about Jesus. You know, he's, he's the reason for this whole thing. Christianity isn't just a group of people who are, who are asked to believe a bunch of doctrines. We certainly do. But we're followers of a person. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And we're called to be his apprentices. We're supposed to look at his life and see how he responded to the lowly. And how he responded to the disenfranchised. And how he responded to political power. And how he responded to money. And how he responded to people. And and something in looking at him were to learn and then carry those things out under his influence in our lives. And his presence in our lives. We're actually called the body of Christ. There's this intimate connection that's supposed to happen. Paul said in Colossians, the mystery, the secret of this whole thing is the fact that somehow Christ has come, he's living within us, and it is the hope of glory. Remember, all have sinned and fallen short of the the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen what? Short of the glory. But he said, the hope of glory, the hope of returning to the thing God dreamed we could be is Christ in us. This whole thing centers about Jesus. Jesus is supposed to be at the center of everything that we do. But if we're not careful, we'll get so involved with a lot of good things, wholesome things, even godly things, and lose out. Um, I need a, come here bro, I need a Superman. How many remember the Superman story uh, from the 80s? Um, it, it was, it was uh, the first one I think it was where Superman comes and visits Lois on the uh, balcony and he's chatting with her and says, hey, you want to go for a fly? And uh, I'm paraphrasing. And 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 uh, Lois is a little freaked out. You mean you're gonna you know carry me? And and Superman says yeah. So Superman puts his arm around her, and you know they go like this. And put your arm out like Superman. Good, good, good. Okay. And when they take off, you remember Lois is doing this, right? And they're they're flying. They're flying over New York or not New York? Where is it? What is this? Trip Metropolis. Yeah, not Gotham. Got to mixing my metaphors. <laughs> yeah, we're flying. Thank you very much. So we're flying. Okay, they're flying. We're not flying. They were flying. And, he's, and as they fly around after a while, she's not just centered completely on Superman. She starts getting into what's going on. She's flying, right? And so as she's watching it, keep your arm up. You're flying. And, and, and as she's watching it, she, start, she starts kind of doing this. She puts her arm up, you know, as though that really did anything. And so she starts doing this, and after a while, they're flying around in the scene, and she keeps pushing out, and she's kind of getting into it, you know. And she keeps going out further and further, and she gets right up to the tip of Superman's fingers, and she's like, she's flying, and then she goes just a little beyond, and pow! She drops like a stone! Thanks. Now, thankfully, Superman swoops down and picks her up. Moral of the story... Only Superman can fly. <laughs> they see most of us when we first come to Jesus, you know, we're just, we know this isn't about us. We know this isn't about our goodness. We know this isn't about what we can do. And we cling on to him. And after a while, as we're clinging on to him, we realize our lives are being lifted up above stuff. 
We're not stuck where we used to be. We're starting to see things from a different perspective. We start discovering Bible truths and start discovering God's people and we start getting a different view. We start thinking, oh, this is awesome. We start wanting to, to maybe be used by God and find out about gifts and find out about, uh, you know, uh, aspects of God's thoughts about all these different discipleship issues. Prayer is a sweet thing. How God speaks about money. All those things. We start orienting our lives. Before you know it, if you're not careful, we just get so caught up in flying. We think we're flying. And if you're not careful, you'll actually have Jesus so peripheral to it and you're so into the flight that you'll get to the end and you'll drop. When you fall, I mean, thankfully, Jesus swoops. But if you don't call back on him and you fall, it doesn't end well. See, what we have to understand is that Jesus is the one that this starts with. Jesus is the one that we have to hold on to. He needs to be center in our lives. It's like your focus. You know, I can look back at that back monitor and I can see most of you in my peripheral vision, even though I'm looking at that monitor. But, but if, if I look over here, I can see you guys. I can see the monitor is now peripheral and I'm seeing stuff on the stage that I wasn't seeing when I was doing this. Or if I go this way, same thing. See, if if you're not careful in your Christian experience, see, God wants you to love the Bible, love prayer, love reaching out to people, love getting things in order, love the promises of God. But if you're not careful, you'll start focusing on the things, unlike the Bible, and become so Bible-oriented, Jesus is kind of peripheral. You're going to get some overemphasis and get kind of weird in some areas over here, and you're going to miss a whole bunch God intended you to see. If you're not careful, you'll get so into prayer that it's all about prayer. Jesus, be quiet, I'm praying. And now all of a sudden you start opening up to, to you get weird. Did you ever meet a weird prayer person? Or it, get into gifts. You know, you want to be an, a, a minister or you feel like God's given you the gift of uh, buying clothes. <laughs> or prophecy. And you get so prophecy gift oriented that Jesus becomes peripheral and you get a little weird. And you're missing out on balancing aspects because the only one that makes us all make sense is staying in love with Jesus. Do you remember when the disciples one time were up on the mount with Jesus and Elijah appears and Moses appears and Mo and Elijah, they're like top dog dudes in the Jewish mindset. And Peter's going, hot diggity dog. You know, Mo is here. He's got the he's got the uh, he's the guy that brought all the law and the, and the, and all the ways that we're supposed to live. And he's defined who we are as a culture. And Elijah, he's the fire of God and the the Shandai of God. <laughs> Inside Pentecostal joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and 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 then there's Jesus. You know, Jesus. And and the Bible says Peter. Remember what Peter says. Let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for Jesus. All of a sudden, a cloud comes. Moses and Elijah disappears. And the voice comes and says, this is my son. Hear him. You know what what the Bible, what's being taught in that story? Everything that God has is in Jesus. And if you try to focus on something other than Jesus, you try to build another tabernacle other than Jesus, and you're out in a wrong place. This is about Jesus. Yeah? (laughs) 
Everything comes together in Jesus. He's the one that gives us the face of God. When we see Jesus, we see God. This is an interesting text. This is Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the past, God would speak to people in history in different ways, at different times, in various ways. In other words, God has spoken all through the history of humankind. Sometimes he would speak through angels. Sometimes he would speak through prophets. Sometimes he would speak through salvation uh, acts. Uh, like deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Sometimes you know, things like the Ten Commandments was God speaking, where God gave ethical and moral laws. He was speaking into the world and into a people. There were signs and there were miracles that God would do in history that would speak to us. But then the scripture goes on to say here in Hebrews, but in these last days, even though God has spoken in all kinds of ways, and even in, the Bible says that God speaks through creation, the fact that creation is here, it speaks that he exists and he's trying to reveal himself through those things. So there's all these little ways that God's trying to peek out at people, show pieces of himself to people. But it says in these last days, that God has spoken to us by his son, by Christ, Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he has made the universe. Watch this. The son is the radiance of God's glory. You know what he's saying? Say, listen. God did show himself in little pieces and little ways all through history. And he continues to show himself in little bits and pieces all through history. But Jesus, when Jesus comes on the scene, God is speaking through him because Jesus is the radiance of his glory. You know what that means? That means if God is light, Jesus is the bright. If God is water, Jesus is the wet. I know I feel what you're paying there. In other words, Jesus Christ is God. Manifested to us, revealed to us in the old ways and all through time and history. God's always speaking in different ways, but he speaks most clearly through Jesus. And then it says, not only is he the radiance of God's glory, but he is the exact representation of his being. Now, right before the service, I was drawing a picture I'm hoping you can get a look at this. I'm quite the artist. My mom used to put these on the refrigerator. No one seems to pay attention anymore. (laughs) Can you see this? Okay, can anyone tell me kind of what that is? Africa. No cigar on that one. Ha, ha, ha. A coin, a quarter. Yes! Right? How many things? How many? If I give you four of these, you'll give me a dollar. No. See, it's a likeness of a quarter, but how many know this isn't exactly this? This is a quarter. See, in the Old Testament and throughout history, God spoke by sending these out. Little images. People would look at it and say, What is that? Some people said it's Africa. Some people said, it's this. I mean, I don't know quite what that is, but, but, but they knew it was something. They knew it was God. Something in their soul knew God was winking at them, nudging them, wooing them. And the Bible says God was in all of that. But in this last day, he's no longer passing these out only. He still is. But now we see the actual 
Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Watching what he does, watching how he treats people, watching what he, how he conducts his affairs. Those are the things that show us exactly what God is like. Now let's go back to the first part of this text for just a minute. It said again in Hebrews 1 and 1, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. Now here's what I want us to get this morning. Scripture is clear. That even though Jesus Christ is the exact culmination of God, and he is the way God puts the capstone of all truth, where everybody that's been getting these things all of their lives, they don't quite get it. All of a sudden when they hear about Jesus, they go, that's what that was. Even though that's true, it still means that God is speaking to all people in every culture all the time. And it claims, the scripture does, that he's still speaking today, even when people don't get it. God has spoken to all of us in this room. All of our lives, even before we knew Jesus, God was speaking to us. That means he's been winking at us, that he's been nudging us. You talk to most people, and uh, really, uh, and that I've heard, I've read uh, studies on this, or, or they've done re, uh, um, surveys on this, and most people, in most cultures that have been surveyed, believe that at some point in their lives they had a protection, or something that happened that they felt somebody was, something was watching over them. There's this sense that somehow God was involved, or some being beyond themselves was involved with their lives. Some people just reduce it to saying, fate. But they know something otherly, something transcendent, something bigger than them is engaged with them. The Bible tells us that creation itself speaks. God is here. Paul one time in Acts 14, these guys were worshiping him because they thought he was a Greek god that sort of showed up on the scene. And Paul said, don't do it. Right? He says, get up. I'm not, I'm a person, he said. But he said to them, the one who you're really trying to seek and trying to worship me, the one who you're really trying to look at is God Almighty. He's the one that has given you all the good that you know. See, God, the reason that people have joy, the reason we can, when we fall in love, the reason we can fall in love and feel the joy of being in love or the joy of having a baby and pulling him in our arms or the joy of a harvest is all because God gives us that. And all of those little things, even Jesus said the sunshine and the rain, those are God sending Africa. And, 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 and so the, the, the mission, uh, listen to this verse, this is Job 33. It says, for God does speak now one way, now another, though a person may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may even speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings. So in other words, God's always sending these things, always speaking. It's just people don't get that it's God. In Ecclesiastes 3 and 11, the Bible says he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's the one that also set eternity in the hearts of people. In other words, he put in people this sense, there's something more. There's something beyond. Now, people don't know what it is, and so they add a bunch of stuff to it. They add a bunch of religions to it. But that gesture of even being open to something beyond is God sent. It's God voice in people his voice in people and it says yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end even though he speaks like this lots of people don't get it the mathematical genius Blaise Pascal in the, who lived in the 1600's wrote about God quote 
if God had wished to overcome the obstinacy of the most hardened, he could have done so by revealing himself to them so plainly that they could not doubt the truth of his essence. But he chooses instead to be recognized by the people who sincerely sought him. There is enough light for those who desire to see, but enough darkness for those of a contrary disposition. In other words, God is speaking. And when he speaks, some people will hear it and they'll try to investigate it. Other people will just ignore it. Not understanding what it is. And, and, and what Pascal was saying is, God just throws enough light out there to help people run after it or enough darkness that they can ignore it. We see an example of this in John 12 in the lives of, life of Jesus. Jesus is preaching. He says, now my heart is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name, he prays out loud. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Here's a voice of God coming out of heaven. People heard this voice. I have glorified it. I'll glorify it again. But watch, there were others in the crowd that heard that voice. But instead of hearing the voice, they said, it thundered. See, God is speaking in people's lives all the time. Sometimes they hear it as the voice of God and, it, and they run after it. And sometimes they just think it was gas. <laughs> A little thunder. <laughs> Point, God always speaks. He's often missed. God has been at work in all of our lives, all times. He is at work in our families. He's at work in our neighborhoods. He's at work in the lives of people we work with. The problem is most people just don't catch him. Here's a kind of a shocking text. Acts 17, listen to this. And verse 16, Paul is waiting for people, these guys in Athens. And while he's waiting for them, he's walking around the city and he gets into great distress because he sees that the city is full of idols. So he's walking around in their lives and he realizes it's just grieving him. Because even though God speaks to people, that doesn't mean they're always cooperating. And it doesn't mean they don't get mixed up. And sometimes in their mix-up they do stupid things that actually actually get, become demonic. But, but that doesn't mean God wasn't speaking in the midst of all of that. And it says here that Paul, he kept walking around. And then in verse 22 it says, Paul stands up in this meeting of the Areopagus and he says, People of Athens, I see that in every way that you're religious... I I walked around, I looked carefully at the objects of worship, and I found this altar with the inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. What's happening here is that you get this, this kind of thought that Paul believed that God was working in those pagan people before he came. That, 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 that the gospel isn't, people, it isn't like we have got the gospel in a box and God in a box. And that when we come up to people, we say, you know what? Up to this point, you've just been demon possessed. <laughs> but now as I tell you the gospel and these four spiritual laws, God's going to come out of the box and give you a shot, you hell-bound pagan. <laughs> now they may be hell-bound, they may be pagan, but the reality is God's not in our box. God's moving in the earth and touching. It's just people don't get it. They think they're in Africa. <laughs> right? And so Paul's going around and they, they built, they had responded to the God wooings and the God winks. And, and they'd responded by building all these weird temples that got demonic. It went beyond what God had intended. Just like, just like God gives you a word and you can make it into a novel. You know, God gives you the word water. What does that mean? 
water. Have a glass of water. Water the lawn. That woman just broke her water. See, the context of the word changes the meaning. So here's God speaking in every culture, in every group, and they get it out of context and they mix it up. And even though God speaks it and there's eternity in their hearts and they're trying to serve God, they end up with weird ideas and world, weird religions and then it gets demonic and gets all out of whack. But it doesn't mean God's not speaking even in the midst of all that crud. He's there. He's there speaking in the midst of your agnostic friend. He's there in the midst of that child that you grew, that you're not sure you're not raising the Antichrist. Especially between 17 and 19. You know, the guy, the, the people, your uncle, that you're, you're, you're sure, you, you, if, if it's not your son, it's that uncle. And he's not quite the Antichrist, but you know he's 665.9. What if God's working in those people? What if they're just mixed up? What if the gospel isn't just to bring God in a box, but what if the gospel is to show people where God's been working in their lives? What if we're to come to people and thinking, celebrating, loving them, believing God's already there before we get there, and that what our job is, even though we go there, we make it all greed because they're all mixed up. We keep looking and examining till we find things in their lives. We say, wait a minute, what about this? I just saw this temple you built to an unknown God. Let me tell you about that. And so Paul tells them about this unknown God. He said, I'm going to proclaim to him to you. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made by hands. And he's not here to serve, be served by human hands as if he needs anything. Because he himself gives all people life. He gives all people breath. He gives all people everything else. What's he saying? What's he saying? God's working in your lives before I got here. God's working in your life before you understand the message of life, Jesus. He's still working in your life. It's just you don't get it. He says, for from one person God made every nation of people that they should inhabit the whole earth. And God determined the time set for you. In other words, what time in history you would be born. And God chose the exact place where you'd be be living. Sacred geography. He's talking to pagans. He's saying God chose you guys to live at this time. God chose you guys to live in this place. He said, why? God did this so that people would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. That they'd, 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 they'd pick up on these little hints that God was putting in them. They'd go, what is that? What is that? And seek enough to find him. He's not far from each of us. And then he says, for in him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. Family. He's talking to pagans. He's saying God's everywhere around you. He's pulling at you. He said, even some of your own poets put together this idea. We're his offspring. They don't quite get it, but they're getting pieces of it because God is speaking even through your own poets. They're not just fully demonized. Right? And then he says, therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like silver or gold or stone, an image made by God's or man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked that stuff. He overlooked the fact that you thought it was Africa. He overlooked the fact that you made all this weird stuff. But he says, but now I've come. This is why I've come to, to tell you to change your mind about this, to repent, because God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Who's he talking about? Jesus. Jesus. 
He's saying, look at you. This, this is what you've been living by. But you've got to get rid of it. It's, it's this. This is the essence. And you need to face Jesus. He gives proof to this to all people by raising Jesus from death. He has conquered it all. Paul was saying, though, that God was always working among this pagan group. That's why that they were motivated to build these altars of worship to an unknown God. But Jesus is the one who comes to bring. He's the gospel is the decoder ring. They don't understand what it is, but the gospel comes along and says, let me explain to you what is going on in your life. Let me tell you why these things are going on in your heart. You've made these weird things out of it, but let me call you to face who Jesus is and where his place is to be in your life. If this is true, it would mean that God is working in the lives of every person everywhere. He's working in the life of a Buddhist. He's working in the life of a Hindu. He's working in the life of people who are in Islam. It would mean that he is even moving in the lives of atheists. Moving in the lives of agnostics. That doesn't mean they're saved. It doesn't mean that they don't need to repent. They need to repent. You know, there's, you can't go around saying it's Africa. It's not Africa. Whoever you were that said Africa, I hope by now you've repented from that. <laughs> These folks in the text needed to repent. But yet God, here's the point. God was working among them, speaking to them all of the time. And I'm suggesting to you that what this means for us is when we go out into our lives, when we go out into our homes, when we go out into be with the people and the friends that we know, we shouldn't be going out thinking, they're all full of the devil and they need to listen to me. We should be going out thinking... God's at work in their lives. And evangelism isn't about trying to buttonhole them and convince them to believing something we believe. Evangelism Evangelism. See, I've got just a few seconds. I'm trying to go really fast. Evangelism is about us helping to discover, seeking out and discovering where God is at work in their lives. Let me give a real clear example of this, as clear as I can, I think. I've got a present for you, and I'm going to throw these at you. Uh, What you're going to need to do is grab these. This is not confetti. This is an example. So grab some of those, would you? Okay, i got to do this fast. Okay, this is a test, so grab it. Some of you won't have to take the test because I can't get it to you. I would have passed these out earlier, but I couldn't. Okay? There's a lot of people in this service. Okay, here we go. Okay. And now whoever catches it first, $100. All right, I'll get some of you guys. $100. Here we go. Tell me what that is. It's a puzzle piece. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what is it of? Africa. <laughs> You're going to spend one week in hell for that. What is that of? What is it? Huh? Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. That's pretty close. <laughs> you pagans don't have the gospel yet. <laughs> Looks like a desert. Looks like the Grand Canyon. But see, the reality is God all through time is throwing these things out at people. Bumping into people speaking to them and they start collecting these things and they know it's God but then they build their own puzzles they're demon puzzles <laughs> but just just because they're demon puzzles doesn't mean there's not God in it That's good. 
God's in it somewhere. And see, until you get the box, this shows what you have. What you have really is the castle. It's called the castle in Utah. That's what you have pieces of. Okay? And you go, ah, oh. See, that's epiphany. That's when all of a sudden you look and you say, oh, that's Jesus. Oh. I get it now. That's what he's... See, what we do... This is God's moving in the lives of everyone. The gospel is not getting God to move in their life. The gospel is simply showing them what God is doing. Bringing them the picture to show them what God is doing. But the good... Look, give me an example of that. I got to shut up, but... A guy over in... Doctor over in um, Marshfield. We used to pastor Marshfield for about 20 years. And um, Wisconsin... And a doctor over there who was an agnostic, his wife used to come to church and she asked me to come convert him. <laughs> and I told her, I said, I don't do conversions well, but I'll talk to him. So we were chatting a little bit and, and then he said, you know, he said, I just have a hard time with God. And I said, well, you know, I totally get that. And he went, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, you're a pastor. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, but you know, faith is kind of a, you know, it's a right gnarly adventure. Because he, he got, it's like, for one thing, God's invisible. Right? And so there's some leap. I told him there's some leap you have to take. And I totally get why you would be an agnostic, which basically is a person who doesn't say there is no God, but doesn't believe there is a God because you can't know. And so I told him, I said, you know, I said, I get that, but I, 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 I think what's going on, I told him this, I said, I think what's going on is God's working in your life, you just don't know it. I said, is there anywhere in your life where you sense something otherly. I, I told him, well, like with your wife. I said, you know, love. It's not quite understandable. Do you feel something else there? Nah, not really. Which is disappointing, I'm sure, to her. <laughs> so he was thinking a minute. He said, you know, sometimes when I go hiking. He said, I love nature. Sometimes when I go hiking, he said, I, I, I'll be down by a river. Or I'll be out hiking in the mountains. And I'll see a scene. And I'll feel something bigger, you know. And, and he said, it's really serenity. He said, you know, Mother Nature. And I said, I said, okay, okay. I said, what if it's not Mother Nature? What if that moment of serenity, what if that's Jesus? And he kind of snickered a little, you know. I said, I said let me tell you something. I double dog dare you to do this, I said. I said, I dare you next time you go, wherever you are, if you're out hiking, next, you know, if you're out there, uh, uh, and you even think of our conversation, and you ever have that moment of serenity where you feel serenity, I said, ask it. Talk right to it and say, are you Jesus? <laughs> you got oh yeah, right. So I didn't hear from him for about a month. He was out, he had moved. In fact, the reason we went there is because they were moving. She wanted one last chance of saving him. <laughs> so they went out, they went out to, to uh, Washington State and he wrote me a letter about a month later. He writes in the letter, I was coming around, we were hiking in the mountains up in Washington State. He said, I was coming around this, this bend on the trail. He said there was an unusually gorgeous ravine. He said, and I, that serenity hit me unusually strong. And he said, I remembered our conversation. He said, I was with some people, so I didn't say it out loud. But kind of under my breath, I said, are you Jesus? And he said, it answers me. <laughs> he said, what do I do now? <laughs> See? See what was happening. See, God was moving in his life. He didn't know it. He thought it was Africa. He thought it was something else. He didn't get it. He had little pieces. He had a little piece of serenity. He put around that piece of serenity, not Jesus, but he put around it Mother Nature. Something else. 
He didn't understand that the gospel, what the gospel brought was that no, all those things going on in your life, all those pieces, it's Jesus Christ. In your, he's the, he show, and the coolness about this is the gospel shows who it is. But when they respond to the gospel, they don't just get a box. They get transported to the castle in Utah. Freaking! What's going on? It's the castle! They meet Jesus. Hallelujah. See, what I'm trying to encourage you this morning, just simply. In fact, stand for just a minute so you think I'm done. (laughs) What I'm saying to you is that God is speaking to everyone in your world, including you. And your job isn't just to go and buttonhole people and try to get everybody to come here. This isn't the only right, true church. (laughs) Right? What we're doing is we're simply going into the lives of people and we're snooping around. A lot of what we snoop into and run into might be, might be like Paul said, it, it, it grieved him. Because people can make some weird puzzles. Some nasty demon puzzles. But we still need to look for God in the midst of all the crud and help people sort it out. Re- help them realize. It's almost like if you've ever seen the old Hitchcock movies, he always used to show up in the movies somewhere. You know, in the birds, I think he was a guy in the, in the shop. And one of the other ones, he crosses the street. The M. Night Shalomalaman guy. Shalomalaman guy. Uh, what's the movie names? Yeah. Signs. Um, Sixth Sense. The Village. Lady in the Water. That, he always appears in his movies too. So if you're, if you're kind of a Hitchcock fan, you're watching the plot, you're watching the thing unfold, you're watching the character development, but you're always Hitchcock suspicious. There he is. Right? So you follow the whole thing, but you look for Hitchcock while you're following it. See, I think you ought to go into your life and when you're working with your people that work with you, your bosses, the people that are under you, when you're at home with your teenagers, with your spouse, you ought to be just going with the plot line and doing all that, but you ought to be developing this Hitchcock suspicion thing. Where are you at, God? What are you doing? And all ministry is, is bringing glory to God. Helping people pull the puzzle together and showing them it's all in Jesus. Wednesday night, we're going to talk about falling more in love with Jesus. Hope you can make it. God bless you. Thanks for listening.